You are locked on Packers. I feel like we can run the table. We really do. Your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Rodgers gets out. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Floats it. Your team. Oh, every day. Touchdown. You're Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation and Packer Report. I cover the NFL around the internet. And you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Today on the show, we're going to cover two big topics. One, we're going to talk about the tight end position specifically, Big Bob Tunyon. And we're going to start the show with a way that I think we need to frame this offseason. And this goes back to last year. Last offseason, there was this vocal chorus of fans who said the Packers have to commit to improving this run defense. The 49ers ran all over them, and until they fix it, they will not be good enough guess what the Packers did essentially nothing to improve their run defense and did marginally improve the run defense by the way and they um went 13 and 3 again I don't know if you guys knew that and went back to the NFC championship game which they hosted and they did not lose to the Bucs because they could not stop the run Leonard Fournette broke uh, a touchdown run, but that is not why they lost the game, okay? This is why we don't overlearn lessons from one game. Also, we left that game going, well, they can't beat this 49ers defense. They need all of this talent. They need this huge influx of receiver talent, or they're just never going to be in that elite upper echelon of teams. Turns out, by the way, I was in that chorus. So this is this is me too. It turns out they were the best offense in the league last year, adding basically no one. Okay. They added AJ Dillon, who was a material impact of in one game, a game they probably win without him. Right. We don't want to base offseason decisions on one game. It's a really bad way to do it because it is just one game and so I hear from a lot of fans oh well the Packers have to do xyz they have to improve the offensive line well but the offensive line was the best offensive line in the league last year depending on what numbers you look at they all say essentially the same thing that Green Bay was an elite offensive line. You lose your best offensive lineman against the team that is one of the best pass rushing teams in football with a, with a defensive coordinator like Todd Bowles, who can dial up all these creative blitzes and they can play aggressive man coverage because they know you're not going to have time to get the ball down the field. That makes it really difficult. But this offensive line was elite last year. Elite. And the drop-off from Corey Lindsley to Lucas Patrick, probably not that big a deal. And John Runyon comes in. He could, I, in my opinion, be better than Lucas Patrick at guard. Or John Runyon could play center. Or Alan Jenkins could play center. And, and John Runyon could play guard. 
And David Bakhtiari is going to play, barring a setback, he's going to play next year. You have Billy Turner. He was a, a really good right tackle in 2020. They're in a really good place. They need a swing tackle. No doubt, they need a swing tackle. They just cut their swing tackle, and so they need one. But it is not number one with a bullet on their needs list. No. And we've talked a lot about you know, Elton Jenkins and, and that possibility. I'm doing a series right now at Acme Packing Company about Packer prospects. I wrote yesterday about Jalen Mayfield. Um, today, I have Christian Derisaw. So there are going to be offensive tackles that they could take and and guys that could be, you know, maybe they decide, hey, someone falls to us and, and we're going to take one and, and Elton Jenkins can stay along the interior and that works out great. That's the position that they're in. But the offensive line is in a good place. It's why yesterday we talked about linebacker because there are so many places where they're in a good position moving forward. Don't take the Bucs game and extrapolate too much from it unless it also confirms something from the regular season. And so you can look at the Packers' run defense two years ago and say, okay, they need to get that fixed. And and look, the, the real answer was just don't be all-time bad. And they played bad offense. They lost because they were not good enough. They lost because they were an inferior team. But the 49ers are not the team to beat in 2020, it turns out. They got hurt and they, you know, they lost some players. Not the same team. They could, they could in 2021, they've got real guys that they've got to resign. Trent Williams, Kyle Juszczyk, Jason Verrett, Richard Sherman. This defense could be much different in 2021. The offense, what's the future with Jimmy G? Could they trade up for a quarterback? Could they trade for Deshaun Watson? I think that's a long shot. But you don't want to build a team to try and beat another team because that team that's standing in your way may be nothing like the team that actually winds up in your way. Beating the 49ers is nothing like beating the Bucs. You know, they both have tough defenses. That's true. And, and Green Bay's inability to block against the 49ers was a big problem. But no one could block against the 49ers. And the Chiefs played good enough offense in one quarter. I mean, one quarter to win that Super Bowl. Green Bay, if they play one good quarter of football in the fourth quarter, they go to the Super Bowl and probably win it. Green Bay just didn't do that. If I'm looking at lessons from the NFC Championship game, it's that my stars did not show up the way I needed them to. So Darius Smith, Kenny Clark, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones probably out the door. Does that mean you need some new stars? Does that mean you try and figure out how to get J.J. Watt? We found out the number from Diana Rossini at ESPN yesterday that a team offered J.J. Watt $15 million. My guess would be that that number was leaked from his side. He claimed to Pat McAfee that's not the case. Um, agents would never leak anything to uh, the media. That's that's would be unthinkable. How could they possibly do that? I don't think that's ultimately what he will sign for. I think that is 
that is part PR, part leverage to get a team like Green Bay. We talked about this yesterday to pony up a little bit more. I think JJ thought that some of these better teams were going to come in with some more competitive offers than he's getting. And he is going to end up having to take less. He's a star. He's a star. And you feel like if you bring him in, the reason you would justify spending the money is you feel like in the NFC title game, he is going to show up for you. That's what you need. And you need to find coaches on the defensive side who are going to make sure you don't have major mistakes. That's part of the lesson of these last two NFC Championship games. And it's why Mike Patton is not employed in Green Bay anymore. He could not rise to the occasion. I don't think you look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and say, oh, well, their linebackers are awesome. Green Bay needs to go invest in a linebacker. No, I don't think that's true. Every defense is different. I made this point on Twitter. The Seahawks have two awesome linebackers, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. The rest of the defense is kind of cheeks. So the defense kind of cheeks. You have to have the right fit for your scheme. You have to have the right fit for your particular roster. Green Bay didn't have the pass rush it needed in that championship game. In the second half, they started to blitz. Guess what? They forced some turnovers when they finally started getting home on Tom Brady. Maybe in the first half, they could have been a little bit more aggressive going after a quarterback whose numbers fall off a cliff when he gets pressure. That is a coaching problem, and they at least efforted a fix. We will see if Joe Barry is actually an upgrade over Mike Patton. I know plenty of you are dubious of that. It's not to say that there are not lessons to learn from the NFC Championship game. It's just we don't want to pick and choose things that are mostly or only true from that game. The only time all season Green Bay's offensive line played poorly was against Tampa Bay. In the two games against Tampa Bay. That is unique to Tampa. Much the same way that Green Bay's run defense is uniquely susceptible or was at the time to San Francisco and to a lesser extent Minnesota. Similar schemes, but teams built for that. Teams with a running back who could take advantage of that. Not many teams have that capability. Tampa did not have that capability. The Packers did not lose to Tampa because they couldn't stop the run. Just didn't. Okay? So you need to look at how you can win the most games. That's how you go into an offseason saying, how do we beat the most teams? It's a very utilitarian approach. How do we make our team maximally better in a vacuum? And, and that vacuum has to at least include the context of today's league. You can't try and win in a vacuum in 1995 and say, okay, draft a fullback. We got a downhill run, run stuffing inside linebacker and two big nose tackles. We're going to, we're going to play, you know, the way the, the mid nineties Broncos did or way the, the way that, you know, Tony Saragusa and Sam Adams in Baltimore, that kind of thing. No, it has to be in the context of the actual league where you're being, you know, actually having to win games, right? But your goal is not, hey, we have to do everything we can to beat this team. You know, I I always think of Ron Wolf going, hey, we got to draft all the guys to stop Randy Moss. 
kind of draft all the guys to stop Randy Moss. And they, you know, they drafted three corners and it turned out one of them was good. One of them was good. Mike McKenzie was a good player. And by the way, they, they still could not stop Randy Moss. It didn't matter. You don't want to over allocate resources and you don't want to overlearn lessons from one game. You just want to try and make your team as maximally improved as you possibly can. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, odds, and everything else when it comes to your gambling, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use the mobile device and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on bet online your online sportsbook experts use that promo code locked on to get that welcome bonus you put money in they give you a deposit bonus up to 50 percent when you use the promo code locked on today on the locked on today podcast is the relationship broken between russell wilson and the seahawks get more on the sports news you need in less time with the locked on today podcast subscribe to locked on today wherever you get podcasts i want to talk about the tight end position because the packers have a decision to make on big bob tunyon he is a restricted free agent and the assumption right now is that he's going to get this second round tender, which is about three and a, three and a half, three point four million dollars. And I'm looking at that, going, are we sure? Are we really sure that's the best use of that money? Are we really sure that is the best way to use three point four million dollars? Because three point four million dollars could get you save your roads. You could use that three point four million dollars. And use that cushion, that extra money, to sign Richard Sherman. Wouldn't that be a better allocation of resources? And when you look at what the Packers have done over the last few years, they use a third-round pick on Jay Sternberger. They use a third-round pick on Josiah DeGuara. They bring back Mercedes Lewis. Wouldn't you rather have that field-tilting defender and let these guys that you've invested top 100 picks in go figure it out than have Tunyon and pray that Josh Jackson is good enough at boundary corner? And I say that as the biggest Josh Jackson fan left watching the Packers. Okay, so just that is the perspective that I'm coming from. So when I watch Matt LaFleur's offense, and this was true coming into, you know, the the hire, I was I watched that whole season of Titans football. And it was amazing how often tight ends were open that had nothing to do with what the tight end was doing. It was all scheme. The Shanahan tree gets these guys open. They ran a leak play for Luke Stocker, who scored a touchdown. For some reason, last year, they didn't. I don't think they hit the leak one time. They have guys who can run, and that's what you need. If you can run 
and catch. And that was, you know, temporarily Jay Sternberger's problem. And I think that cost him playing time. Dominique Daphne comes back. I mean, look at how Dominique Daphne played. If you've got Sternberger, DeGuara, Daphne, and Mercedes Lewis, what does Tunyon do that those guys can't? He is a more proven player, no question about it. But Mike Clay from ESPN tweeted about this. Tunyon was, I believe, 80th in targets, but first in touchdown percentage and first in touchdowns. And part of that is because at the goal line, they schemed up so many play-action boots with Tunyon sort of leaking out on the backside or on the front side, and it's a wide-open touchdown. How many times was he beating man coverage one-on-one in the red zone to score? How many times was that the thing that he was doing? And I don't say that to disparage Tunyon, who I have been a huge fan of from the moment he arrived in Green Bay. Uh, Right away, I watched him in preseason going, this guy's got juice. He's got some, some pop in his game. But my thing with tight ends is, unless you've got that elite guy, that elite, elite guy, and, and for, for me, there's three of those in the NFL right now. It's it's Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, and everyone else. And going back to the fantasy part of this, I mean, Mike Clay was the one who sort of inspired this rant from me on Twitter. When you look at fantasy rankings and when you go in and, and try and create strategies for your fantasy draft, you either are getting one of those elite tight ends or you are waiting because the difference between the fourth tight end right now in the NFL and the 14th, not very big, not very big. So why allocate resources to a non-elite talent, even a small amount of resources? Because as, as much as I like Tunyon, I think Sternberger has more upside and I've, I've been steadfast in that. Since they drafted him, I thought he was the most talented tight end on the roster. I still think that. And I don't know if the Packers think that, but I watched his tape at Texas A&M going, this guy has real potential to be a Pro Bowl caliber tight end. And that was before the Packers drafted him. I certainly did not feel that way about Josiah DeGuara, but the Packers love him. So if you love DeGuara and you believe in the talent of Sternberger, and Mercedes Lewis is willing to come back on another sort of vet minimum kind of contract. What are you paying Tunyon to be? And if you're not going to give him a long-term contract, and if I'm Green Bay, I would let someone else do that. Then why are you allocating those resources in a year where your resources are scarce to that position when you've invested so heavily in that position in the draft and you have someone in Mercedes Lewis who is your your down blocker, your inline guy, which Tunyon isn't. Tunyon is really a move player. He's a big slot. He's a he's a, a joker tight end. Well, that's what you drafted Jay Sternberger to be. So unless you think that he just sucks, and I, by the way, I don't, He's got to stay healthy, but the talent, talent, you don't just lose the talent. And he hasn't had any injuries that make me think, oh, he just doesn't have the juice. No, if he's playing with confidence, I think he's the most dynamic tight end on the roster, including Tunyon. 
I want all these guys to get paid. But they can't all be paid in Green Bay, not this year. So whether or not it's this year, I think we can all, or or at least we all should, start thinking about the Packers post-Tunyon because it's either going to be this year or next year. I just don't see them paying him long-term. You you can just do too much in the Mount of the Floor offense without a guy having to win consistently one-on-one. It's just not required in this offense. And and frankly, I don't know if Tunyon is that guy. We haven't seen him have to do it. He had a really nice touchdown against Atlanta, beating Deion Jones. And he had the leaping grab two years ago against Dallas along the sidelines. He's one of the most reliable tight ends in the league. His catch percentage is elite. And just catching the passes thrown to you, that's a great skill. Jason Witten basically made a career out of knowing where to be. He was also an excellent blocker. And he just caught everything they threw to him. He wasn't dynamic with the ball in his hand. He wasn't, you know, killing people down the seam like Antonio Gates or Tony Gonzalez. He wasn't leaping up over linebackers like Rob Gronkowski. He just caught everything they threw at him, and he was a crafty route runner, and so he was always open. You can pay Jason Witten. Jason Witten's going to the Hall of Fame. You can pay Tony Gonzalez. Tony Gonzalez is going to the Hall of Fame. Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller. Those guys tilt the field. Those guys are matchup nightmares. The tight end in the Matt LaFleur offense, if you have a matchup nightmare, can be a major part of your offense. I don't know at this point if Tanyan is that guy. Now, if Green Bay thinks Tanyan is that guy, then of course it's a no-brainer. You give him the restricted the, the restricted tender, the second round tender, which is $3.4 million, and you go from there. But if you think you need that money, if you want to sign J.J. Watt and you don't want to cut Preston Smith or you don't want to restructure Aaron Rodgers as much, I think you can absolutely justify saying, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give Tanyan his original round tender, which is essentially nothing. And if someone signs him, someone signs him and good for him. And he's going to get his money and God bless him. I don't think that's an unreasonable position for Green Bay to take if they intend to use the money. If they don't, this is moot. If they don't intend to use the money, you give Tanyan the tender and you move forward because he's a reliable dude. He knows the offense. You just saw what he was able to do. I'm just saying, if you want someone to catch seven, eight red zone, you know, one yard touchdown passes like Tunyon did last year, Mercedes Lewis can do that. Josiah DeGuar can do that. Jay Sternberger can do that. Now, if you think he can be special, if you think he can tilt the field, and I made the case for Tunyon as an all pro because his, his productivity, his value based on DVOA and DYAR and those kinds of things say that he was a legitimate you know, one of the two or three best tight ends in the league last year, in part because George Kittle was hurt. I thought he deserved more recognition than he got based on productivity. I don't know if that's the player. You know, I don't know if his his quality of play, his ability to really take over games. I mean, has he ever done that? Have you ever watched a Packers game and just thought, nah, this team can't cover Big Bob? I mean, maybe you you have, but I I just don't think that's the reality of the situation. And so I I want him to be back. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great teammate. 
His teammates seem to really like him. His quarterback seems to really like him. And that all matters. But this is also a business. And the, the, the dollars have to make sense here as well. Speaking of, when it comes to dollars, you do not want to get ripped off when you're buying car parts. And, and it seems like it would be an easy thing to do because the average person, myself especially included, does not have the kind of knowledge to know when they're getting ripped off. This is part of the deal. Well, go to rockauto.com and you don't have to worry about it. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts and tail lamps, motor oils, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low. The same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same? parts go to rockauto.com now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you betting on the nfl doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new locked on bets podcast hosted by your boy q and handicapping expert lee sterling get daily picks blowout specials wrong team favorite picks and lee sterling's lock of the day Subscribe to the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get podcasts. One thing I want to close the show with just very quickly. The Broncos cut Jarrell Casey. And I couldn't believe the Titans traded Casey for a song last year. He comes in, he plays three games, tears his bicep, he's out for the year, and Denver moves on. He is like eight months younger than J.J. Watt. He was a top 30 defensive lineman last year by Pro Football Focus grade among guys who played at least 100 snaps. And even in three games, he did. And before 2020, he had played 14 or more games every year of his career. This is not an older injury-prone guy. This is a guy who has always played through injury and, and regularly been available for whatever his team needs him. If you're looking for a cheap alternative to J.J. Watt, not the pass rusher that Watt is, but a really solid run defender, someone who can come in and and be the snacks that you didn't really get. He's got more pass rush juice than snacks. And you have a player who who can give you some every down productivity. I think that could make a lot of sense. Plus, he spent the year in Vic Fangio's defense And that's the defense the Packers are going to be playing in 2021. So he's got some familiarity with the scheme. He could take the burden off Kenny Clark because he could play nose. He can play three tech. He can play anywhere along the interior of your defensive line. And he can allow Kingsley Kiki to be fresh for pass rush reps. He could allow you to move on from Dean Lowry, save a bunch of money. You know, the savings that you're going to get from Lowry could be cheaper than what you have to pay Casey. And so I think Casey is the kind of player who's, Going to want to try and win. And guess what? Casey was on the Titans when Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator. Not that you know they, they necessarily had some super tight relationship, but just something to think about. Matt LaFleur at least has some knowledge of, of the guy, of the player. And, and he still has, I think, enough left in the tank for this to be something to consider if you're the Green Bay Packers. We'll be back next week. Remember, we're trying to get... an NFL draft person every week. So we'll have an interview next week 
and for the rest of draft season. Check out the, the series that we're doing with Acme Packing Company on the prospects so that you know as much as you can possibly know about these players when the Packers ultimately make a pick. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook, subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, you can do that 920-341-3775 to stay Locked on Packers.